1: In Mark chapter 6, I was reading this morning, and the Bible says that Jesus came to his disciples on the water, and that he almost passed them by. And they were rowing and they were straining. And then when they saw them, they were troubled and afraid. And this is in Mark 6, starting in verse 48. And it says, For they all saw him, and they were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer, it's I, don't be afraid. And then he went up into the boat, and the wind ceased, and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure, and they marveled. And then here it is in verse 52. It says, for they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. And if you read earlier in that chapter, the disciples were kind of irritated with Jesus because there were, the multitude was there with them in the wilderness, and the people were hungry. They had been out there for a while. And uh, they said, Lord, what are we going to do with these people? They're hungry, uh, le- we're tired, let's send them home. And Jesus said, no, let's give them something to eat. And they said, it's sarcastic with Jesus, they said, what are, you, what are we supposed to go to the marketplace and buy another? We don't have enough money for that. But we learn here the reason for it, and the Bible says their heart was hardened. And I just began to ask the Lord, I said, Lord, wh- what, it, what does that mean, uh, because it's, every time I read this scripture, it really intrigues me. And I felt as though the Lord said, The hardened heart is when you look at you and your life and what you can do apart from me in your life. So when you harden your heart, that means you look at your life and you bring it to committee. And the committee's right up here. And you, you bring it to the calculations committee and you, figure, you get it all figured out. And then you close the door on the committee room. And, you, and I feel like I had that metaphor for you. Close the door in the committee room. We've already made our decision, Lord. You're, thank you very much. But we've decided that this is what's possible for us to do. Uh, and you know how our minds work, amen? We, this, is how, this is the only way. and I've, This is the only way that this is going to work out. This is the only possible solution. And this is it. And the other day we were dealing with a situation and we were talking about something that, that's been, that it was just a burden for us and I was just lamenting and complaining. And, and Lisa just kind of looked at me and she's like, listen, that all, that's all good and that's all true and, it, and that makes sense. But you forgot one thing. You forgot God in all this. Don't forget the God factor, amen? He, the Bible says with all things, God, uh, all things are possible with God and the I'll just give you one more scripture and then I'll quit the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 3 in verse 7 the Holy Spirit says today if you will hear his voice don't harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of the trial the wilderness where your fathers tested me and tried me and saw my works 40 years and therefore I was angry with that generation and it says, they always go astray in their heart and they haven't known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they'll not enter my rest. And, and, and I just want to connect what, what Shelley said too. If you read on, it says, beware brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief departing from the living God. And the Bible exhorts us in chapter three to mix God's word with faith Because the problem is that these people in the wilderness, they knew God's word, they had Moses, they had the word of God, but they didn't believe the word of God. And this whole rebellion started, I was reminded, with one really poor choice. And that was when the reporters came back. Speaking of reporters, amen. The reporters, remember the 10 spies? They were the reporters. They came back and they said, listen, there's some big guys in the land. There's giants in the land. And we can't take the land, period. Why? their heart was hard. Why did their heart get hard? Joshua and Caleb were the only guys whose hearts weren't hard because they said, listen man, these guys are bread for us. We can take these guys because with God, all things are possible. You guys are only, you're self-assessing. It's gone to committee. You've looked at them. You've looked at yourselves. You've measured yourself up and you said, you know what? This doesn't look good. We can't do this. Because why? Because they hardened up. They said, no God, we don't want you in this. We can't. No, um, this is not possible but joshua and caleb opened up their hearts to god and they said god with with you we can take this land and we could take these giants so um, god wants us to have an open heart a humble heart and and that's the last thing i'll say i um lord help us to come before your presence with humility Just to come before you, God, with openness of heart and humility, believing in you, Lord, believing in your power in our lives, believing in your ability in our lives, Lord, and believing that with you, Lord, all things are possible in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Romans chapter 12. And verse 1 and 2. This is a familiar scripture for many. And uh, you know something. <clears throat> something I feel like that the the Lord just kind of reminded me. He said sometimes when, when you're reading a familiar scripture, we kind of just we we know it. We can almost quote it by heart. So we just we don't really pay attention to it. We just kind of read it superficially. And God's and, and, and the Lord said you get, you be careful that, that that doesn't sneak in on you the familiar scriptures don't become something that's oh yeah yeah i know that and you fail to let it really impact you in my in my regular bible reading my not preparing not preparing for a message but in just my regular bible reading i read the new testament through twice every year and the new and the old testament once and psalms and proverbs twice i'm very uh, methodical. My, my wife's laughing because she knows I'm very methodical about that. I have, I have my whole Bible. I've got notes in the margin about what I should read each day and I'm kind <clears> of <throat> I'm, I'm a little bit, what, what do they call it? Obsessive compulsive or something. Anyway. But, I, but I've read my Bible I've read the New Testament through twice a year for years and before that I was reading it three times a year But I felt like I was reading it too quickly. I wasn't absorbing it, so I went back to two and read a little bit more slowly. But for years, I've been doing that. I've I've read through the New Testament probably 50 or 60 times anyway, at least. So when when I come to a particular scripture that I know by heart, it's really easy for me just to kind of, oh, you, and press on. But I feel like what God is saying to all of us, not just to me, but to all of us, is take your time when you read the word. Read it. Let it hit you. Let it impact you as if it's the first time you're reading it. Don't just skim over because God might show you something in it. And that's the scripture that he brought to me today. So I want to just share that with you. And uh, I know you know it, but hang in there with me. And we're just going to touch, touch a, a few highlights. In Romans chapter chapters 1 through 8, the Apostle Paul is giving his uh, his message on salvation, showing us that every man on the planet needs God. There's none righteous, no, not one. We're all sinners, we all need a God. And the message of Romans is righteousness, how to obtain righteousness with God, how to come in the right relationship with him. And then in Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11, he, he addresses the, the the Israel issue—that God has not set Israel aside. He totally. He just temporarily set him aside, but he's going to come back and rescue Israel. And then, in, and then, in chapter 12, he gets away from theology and he gets into what I would practical Christianity. And he says this: Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and a holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what is that, what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. God says we need to present our bodies to him, a living sacrifice. My life is not my own, the Bible says. I've been bought with a price. Therefore, I'm to glorify God in my body and in my spirit, which are God's. So, one of the big problems that I see today in some Christians is people don't think scripturally. They, I don't have a, it's not, I can't just decide for myself what's right and what's wrong. God tells me what's right and what's wrong. The word of God is forever settled in heaven. And the Bible says I need to, re- I need to present my body to God and let him use me in any way he chooses. I need to be re- renewed in the spirit of my mind. I need to get my mind renewed to the word of God. Whatever God says in his word is the truth. It's forever settled in heaven. God's word never changes. And you need to let that word define you. You need to think like God would have us think, and not, and not like the world would have us think. You know, I don't mean to get into politics, but there's so much going on politically in this country that really bothers me. And one of the things that bothers me is there's is, 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 is a war going on between those who think our Constitution in this country is a living document which needs to be changed over time or whether it's forever settled, you might say in concrete and and not change. Well, I'm a not changer. I don't care wh- whatever you whoever you are, that's fine. But I believe that the Constitution is sta- it has to be, it has to stand. You don't just change it because the because it's different, because the, the world has changed. And you don't change the word of God because the world has changed. Amen. You can't say well, that was written 2,000 years ago. It's different today. We're different, but God did not. God doesn't change. And we need to wrap our minds around what God says. In Isaiah chapter 55... This is, what, this is what God says in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 10. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, no, come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bear and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be which goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me empty without succeeding without accomplishing what I desire, without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. I wrote down the wrong scripture I wanted to quote was in verse eight. I need to back up a little bit. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, God says, nor are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, So my ways are higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God's thoughts are not like our thoughts. Our thoughts are corrupted. Our thoughts are worldly. Our thoughts are self-centered. But God says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. And then just to give you a, a perspective, he says, as high as the heavens are higher than the earth. It's not just a little difference. It's a huge difference between what I want to think and what God thinks. God is always right, and his word is always right. Our minds are the control center of our life. It's where the operating system is installed. The reason why the enemy comes with fear and anxiety and all kinds of weird thoughts is to keep us from being the people who God wants us to be. Heaven is our destination, but God wants heaven to be on earth. He taught us to pray that. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God wants his will done on the earth. It's going to be done through us. It's not going to be done through those who don't know him, for those who aren't living for him. But it's going to be done through those who have surrendered themselves to him, who have given their bodies and their minds to God to be renewed. I tell you one of the, when we when we first came to the Lord, my wife and I, there was some there's a lot of areas in our life that we need to change the way we think. One of them was, one of them was the way, the way you raise children. We had to really change the way we were raising our kids. The Bible says if you love your children, you'll, dis- you'll discipline them. We weren't doing that. I don't know. I think I'm stirring up a hornet's nest here. But we, we read in the Word, in the Word of God, that if you're supposed to discipline your children if they're wrong. So we had to change because we were spoiling our kids. So you've got you to start thinking the way God wants you to think. Certain lifestyles are forbidden in the scriptures. you gotta, you got you to, your body is, belongs to God. You've got to do, do what's right. You can't just sleep with anyone. You can't just do whatever you want. God loves us, and God wants us to bless us. But it will only bless us as, as we yield to him, as we surrender to him. The Apostle Paul in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 said, I could not talk to you as spiritual men, but as carnal, because you're still fleshly and carnal. I couldn't speak to you as a spiritual man, because you're still so carnal. Carnal thoughts run in in our lives, and here's the problem. So many times we get hurt, we get offended, we carry bitterness, and God says you gotta let it go. You gotta let bitterness go, you gotta let offense go. And it's remarkable that, you know, whenever someone has an offense, they they always feel justified. Well, it's okay for me to feel this way because of what they said, because of what they did. No, the Bible says we need to forgive. We need to forgive, and we need to act like Christians. We need to talk like Christians. We need to do what Christians should do. Walk in love. Walk in forgiveness. All the days of your life. Let the offense go. If someone hurts you, you got to forgive them. Remember what Jesus said to Peter when Peter said, If somebody offends me seven times and comes to me in a day, seven times, do I have to forgive them seven times? Jesus said, No. You have to forgive seven times seven. And that's a number, but what he meant was you just got to keep forgiving. You got to keep letting it go. You got to keep loving as if you've never been offended. I heard Pastor Jensen Franklin say that. It was a preacher one time and hit me. He says you have to love like you've never been hurt. You have to let it go and forgive and go on. So I just want to encourage you today. Pick up your Bible and read it. And look at it and read it slowly. Let it impact you. Let it impact your mind so that your mind is renewed according to the Word of God. Let the Bible become your guide. I just want to quote a few other scriptures that God, that God says about the mind. In Philippians chapter 2, it says, Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. But think the way He thinks. You know, years ago, there was this, uh, I'll call it a fad, uh, a saying going on WWJD. anybody remember when it would, when all the bracelets and the necklaces and the bumper stickers, and it all said WWJD? And it was, what would Jesus do? And it's easy to say, but it's not easy to do. What would He do? A lot of times we we don't we. A lot of times we don't do what He what He would do. We. We make our own choices. But the Bible says we're to whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of a good report. If, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think on these things. In Colossians, it says we're supposed to set our minds on things above and not on things of this earth. So I just want to encourage you read your Bible. Put it in you. See, I grew up in a denomination that never told me to read my Bible. So I started from scratch. And we do that. We let the Bible get in us. We'll understand what God wants for us on this earth. He wants us to love God and to love others. He wants us praying so he can come and and do what he wants to do through us on this planet. So that's it. I don't have much today. But I, I just want to bless you. Father, let's pray. Lord, forgive us for all the times that we thought we knew better than you. For so all the times we, we did what we wanted to do, not what you wanted us to do. Forgive us, Lord, for being self-centered and selfish. I pray that we would love the way you loved. We would lay down our lives the way you laid down your life for us. Because you said in your word, greater love has no man than this, but he lays down his life for his friends. Help us to lay down our lives one for another, to forgive each other, to go on and be a witness to the world of your greatness and your love for us and the way you've changed us. I bless you today in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry, and how it is that you
1: can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.